evaluated your friendship lately. What type of friend are you? Well, we are starting a brand new series called Happily Ever After. Really just looking at these areas where we would think that we would be happily ever after once we get what we think. Uh, But then you soon realize that maybe you don't. Uh, Happily ever after. uh, To the student who's thinking, once I move out of my parents' place and I can eat all the nachos and cheese I want, I can order pizza every day, then it'll be happily ever after. Uh, to, uh, To the singles out there, once I get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, it'll be happily ever after. Then you get the boyfriend and girlfriend. Once we get married, it'll be happily ever after. Or maybe it's once we have our kids, it'll be happily ever after. Once I get that dream job, it'll be happily ever after. But the dream job comes, the family comes, the relationships come, and then life comes with it. And, and we kind of realize that it is, a, it is a constant battle for this happily ever after. And so we're going to spend the next couple of weeks just kind of looking at a couple different areas, our marriages. We're going to look at parenting. And today I'm going to talk about friendship. I want to talk about Christ-centered friendship. This Christ-centered friendship that is, is dependable, is filled with love, and is, has this gut-wrenching honesty to it. Man, I, I've been blessed with friendship, but, but it hasn't always been easy. Before we go any further, let me pray. Father God, I, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for what you want to teach to us about our relationships. I thank you, Lord, uh, for uh, the words that you've given me, and I pray that you would help me to just communicate clearly and with boldness. We thank you for this in your precious name. Amen. What do you think of when, uh, when you hear friend? You think of maybe, uh, hey, somebody who's got my back. Somebody who, who I can call no matter what hour of the night it is. Somebody who, hey, I, I, can, I can go to them for advice or something that I just need to unload. Maybe, uh, maybe you think of, hey, that person who's going to tell you if you have something stuck in your teeth. Or if your fly is down. The, those moments where, what do you think? Maybe you think of something, your, your mind wanders to the Bible and you're thinking, I think of iron sharpening iron. Just that, that hey, friendship is where we're just working on each other. Well, I didn't think of that many spiritual things, but my mind kind of began to drift to some songs, a couple different things. Uh, so I thought we'd take maybe a little walk down memory lane. You guys okay with that uh, this morning? Oh, okay, okay, good, good. No, all right, okay, so the, the first thing I was thinking about, you, you remember Toy Story? Or Toy Story? They got, they got a song for that. Uh, I, I remember listening to a song. If we cue it up. You've got a friend in me. Remember that? You've got a friend in me. There we go. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I was thinking about that. Then uh, a classic. Man, I, I just, I remember this for so long. Uh, this next song. You ever, ever sing Lean On Me? Lean on me. Just put this song on repeat. Just, just driving with your friends. There you go. Okay, okay. Now, uh, th- this next one I want you to throw out to those of you who are, you've been in the church for a really long time. And you're, you're not counting, like, how many years. You're like, this is how many decades I've been at the church. Uh, okay, uh, so this song, this next song goes like to you guys. Come on. 
get your phones out, start waving them. Praise the Lord. Okay, okay. Uh, now, if you were raised in a Christian home, you might have had to watch, uh, you might have listened to this song uh, in hiding, in hiding. Uh, I, not that I would have done something like that, uh, but for those of you, uh, maybe in the past uh, decade or two, you would remember this. Let's go ahead and listen to this one. I'll be there for you. Come on, Yeah, you remember that song. You know that song from that TV show, Friends. Come on. There's all sorts of things that come to mind. Maybe for you, those are just a few things that came to my mind when I began to think about friendship and uh, what what songs are there, what what comes to to mind. And so I began to think about, well, Michael, am I a good friend? Michael, are you a good friend? I said, well, I think so. I've been there for people, and, and people would call me their friend, and so that, that seems like a good start. And uh, even when it's been inconvenient, I, I, I've been there with my friends. And I'm sure you, you maybe can kind of begin to go through your mind, and you're sort of like, yeah, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good friend. Maybe admittedly you're like, yeah, no, I, I know I'm not a good friend. It's just, you're just putting that right out there this morning. You're like, yeah, this, is, this message is going to convict me. It's already convicting me. Uh, wherever you're at, maybe, maybe you're kind of going through, and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. I think so. And then I I thought to myself, well, I think I'm a good friend, but by what standards do I measure myself as a good friend? Like, is there a book on the Ten Commandments of Friendship? Well, not not in the Bible. And so I kind of looked online. I was like, well, there's got to be some good friendship books that we can go to. And so uh, I found this book online. Uh, We'll see if we can throw it there. Yeah. Uh, Which, if you're... uh, part of an older generation, you might need this next book that I also saw on friendship. We'll, we'll go ahead and throw that as well. <laughs> which, which ironically was right next to this book that I saw online as well. It was kind of weird. This is a whole dummy series. So there you go. Hey, get a whole series. Some good reading for you the next couple weeks if you'd like. But by what, by what standards do you measure your friendship? And so uh, I thought, man, there's, there's got to be somebody in the Bible that we can go to, maybe like a savior of the world or something like that, maybe a Messiah. Uh, and, and so I was like, oh, okay, let, let's talk about Jesus. What, what, what friendship did Jesus have? And, and then I was like, wait a second, did, did Jesus need friendship? Well, he had, he had friendship with the Father and he had friendship with the Holy Spirit. How much more friendship does he need? But, but think about this. At no point did Jesus, while he was here on earth, use his divine God card to give him an edge on anything in life. So then when you look at him being completely man here on earth, the question then is, if Jesus needed friendship, do we need friendship? Well, yeah, I, I think so. Maybe. Maybe. Interesting enough, research shows that even though we have never been more connected with people, people have never felt so alone. People have never felt so disconnected. Maybe you would kind of say, yeah, I I understand that. I think that's true. The irony that we are so connected that we can call people across the world at any point in time instantly, but yet these friendships we seem to be absent on 
to Jesus in friendship. Uh, well, in John 15, 15, uh, Jesus called his disciples friends. But that was after about three and a half years of ministry together. And prior to that, he, they were just disciples. He didn't go and call the disciples and say, hey, guys, uh, we're going to be fishers of men and, and, and BFFs. Let's do this thing. No, he, he, he called them disciples. And I was thinking, well, I remember as a little kid singing that song. Jesus, friend of sinners, a friend of mine. Okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus must have had friends. And then I looked at that passage and I thought, that's got to be biblical. And there it is in Matthew eleven nineteen. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, Jesus must have been a friend of sinners. Wait a second. A glutton and a drunkard? That doesn't sound like Jesus at all. And maybe if he wasn't a glutton and a drunkard, he wasn't a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Well, well, we're not crossing that bridge today. I certainly wouldn't use that passage to try and make the point that he was a friend of sinners. Well, we can talk about that another time. But there is a passage, there's a section of the Bible, and it's pretty long. So I'm just going to kind of give us the overview where we can show that Jesus had friends. And Jesus saw the value of friends. There's this one place near uh, the end of his ministry where we see him going into Jerusalem. Just kind of that, that last week. And each time, each day, he would go and he'd travel to Jerusalem. But he didn't stay there. Didn't, didn't check into a holiday inn. Each time he would travel back to this obscure little village about two miles away called Bethany. And, and in this small little village, not that he was friends with everybody, but he, he had a couple people there. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you remember Jesus raised Lazarus uh, back from the dead. I'd probably be friends with somebody who raised me from the dead too. Uh, and then there was uh, Simon the leper, who Jesus also touched. Uh, and it's, it's in this small village that we see Jesus having friends, where he talks about friendship in a number of different passages. And the evidence just points to this place where Jesus goes to to receive friendship. Well, there's a, there's a lot of things we can do with this. And now I, I do believe that friendship is biblical, although I would say that in its current form, where all we need to do is just push an accept button, a, a friend, a follow button, that, that that's not at all what the Bible had in mind. I, I just don't think that Jesus would, would look at our Facebook and, and say, yes, oh, you're, you're a godly man, woman of God. Look at your friendships. But... Uh, Maybe there's something more, there's something deeper to that. And so we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, the Bible isn't a book about friendship, nor is there one particular book about friends that Jesus had or, or friends in general. But uh, all throughout the Bible, there are relationships and friendships scattered throughout. And so we kind of go from there. We, we look at Genesis. In the beginning of Genesis, you can kind of see where God designed us for relationship. He creates Adam and puts Adam, gives him a job description, gives him purpose, and is like, hey, I want you to do this. Uh, uh, you, you got the rest of your life to figure this out. Go for it. And, and all of a sudden, some time goes by, and God's like, wait a second. That's <laughs> eh, not good for, for him to be alone. Gives him Eve. With, with the purpose that we can get out of that, that we were designed to be in relationship. So there it is. Then there's this other passage where we see a friendship with David and Jonathan. 
And this would have been an intense relationship because uh, David would soon be King David. But before he was King David, he was friends to Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. And that's okay, except that King Saul wanted David dead, which is not so okay. And I think if there's an opportunity for there to be a little tension in the friendship, it's if you go over to your friend's house and, and the friend's dad wants to kill you. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of a sticky situation. I think about the relationship David and Jonathan had in today's term. Jonathan would have been next in line for the kingdom. So think about this. He's working for the, for the biggest Fortune 500 company. He's been there his entire life. He's, he's been working uh, his buns off, and he's, I'm, I'm ready to go for this. And, and then all of a sudden, in swoops this other character, David, and he has no seniority. He hasn't been there that long. But all of a sudden, uh, Jonathan realizes, oh, David, David should take over this company. David should take over this. And, and so Jonathan has this, this dilemma where I can either... Uh, alienate David. I can all go and kind of go with my father and say, hey, I'm, I'm, we're just going to get rid of this guy or, uh, or I'm going to accept it. And it's quite a powerful statement about friendship in that he embraces David in, in friendship. Well, there's the New Testament. There's Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, that's kind of interesting. Before Paul went on to write uh, a good part of the New Testament, he, he was alienated by most people for good reason, because Paul was out to get the Christians, out to throw them in prison, out, out to see them even killed in some cases. And, and so when Paul gets converted and be, has this incredible experience with, with Jesus, he goes to the community of believers, kind of like, hey guys, I became saved. And they're all like, yeah, sure, Paul. Sure, sure, sure. And Barnabas comes and says, hey, hey, guys, I'll befriend. I'll vouch for Paul. I'll vouch for him. You have friends in your life where they'll vouch for you. Even when you've just, you've just done the, the dumbest things, that they don't turn your back. Man, I, friendship. So I, I want to turn today to John 15, 12. Turn your Bible to John 15, 12. This is where I want to just spend the rest of our time today. In this passage, three times, in these three verses that we're going to read, the word friend is mentioned. But it's not, uh, it, it, it's not about friendship. It, it, in fact, it, it's just about how to become more like Jesus. But in thinking about that, I, I thought, shouldn't our friendships look more like Jesus? Shouldn't our friendships reflect Jesus? So we're, we're going to read John 15, 12 to 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Think about the context here. Jesus is speaking to his Pharisees? No, no. Jesus is not on the mountainside speaking this to a whole group of people. He's not in the temple uh, talking it up with some of the religious leaders. Jesus is there in this intimate gathering of his disciples. You think about that. Why would he need to tell his disciples to love each other? Except to say that maybe they didn't always love each other. 
Oh, we know that. The disciples, they were, they were some hormonal type, weren't they? They just kind of, they had ups and downs. It's a teenage life for them. Uh, I mean, they, they're going through all of this. And uh, we, we know, you remember that time where Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he overhears them and, and they're, they're discussing who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Like, I'm the greatest. Hey, did you see that miracle I performed? Boom! I mean, they're just going back, and Jesus is like, guys, 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 come on. And he gives them a whole talk on the greatest in the kingdom of God. Then there's that time when the two brothers go up to Jesus, and in some gospels it says that they, they sent their mom. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, send their mom, hey, hey mom, go, go put a word in for Jesus. Uh, and say, hey, I want to be on your left and your right. And Jesus kind of talks to them, but you read the rest of the passage. What are the disciples doing? The disciples are there like, hey. What are you doing? You're trying to get in line, trying to budge, trying to call dibs on God's kingdom? Oh, and they're they're ticked. Come on. So as much as the disciples, in some cases they were brothers, in other cases they were friends and they knew each other, man, there there would have been some tension there at times. Three and a half years with with 12 guys and the savior of the world, you're going to have rubbed shoulders the wrong way at some point. And so Jesus says, hey, I... I want you to love each other the same way I would have loved you. Parents, you remember this? Uh, you ever leave your kids alone with the babysitter or somebody else? And you kind of have that moment right before you're about to leave. And you're like, okay, children. I know you haven't been good all day. Maybe even this decade. But in this moment, if only in this moment, please listen to the babysitter. Please be good. Please behave. I just can't help but think that this is the moment Jesus is having. He's near the end of his ministry. He's about to be crucified. He knows what's going on. And he's sort of like, hey, disciples, you haven't always figured it out. You haven't always got this together. So please, in the same way I would love you, love each other. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And guys, you're my, friend. you're my friends if you do what I command. I don't call you slaves anymore. You're not, just, you're not just disciples because a, a slave or a disciple, I, I wouldn't tell them everything, but I've entrusted with you. I've, I've been around and I, I've told you everything. I think it, it speaks a little bit more to our friendship than we might imagine. Well, I, I have this friend named Josh, and we're going to throw a picture up there of my friend Josh. And uh, we met in Bible college, and we've been best friends for a long time. Uh, we've kind of moved away. He's across uh, the country now in Toronto, still praying and believing for his second coming back into Alberta and his redemption. Uh, but until that time, in college, I remember him telling me uh, that he had never been hiking or camping. I love hiking and camping, and so naturally as a friend, I thought uh, it is my obligation uh, to let you have this experience. And so we, we went on a hiking trip. We went out to Jasper and a camping trip, and uh, first night there, he had a horrible sleep. Uh, I forgot to mention how cold it gets in the mountains, so I'm not sure he slept at all. But the next day, we're like, hey, we're going to go on a hike, and uh, I brought him to, to a mountain. I was like, hey, this is a great hike. Because it has a gondola with it. And so we're going to hike up to the top and then we'll take the gondola down. It'll be great, man. It's, it's an easy hike, easy to moderate hike, and it'll be great. And sometimes I get a little confused with easy and moderate and severely difficult. And so, 
And so we, we started hiking, and this is at the very beginning of the hike. I think, like, if, if we were to pan the camera to a left a bit, you'd see the parking lot. He's right there. I mean, he's smiling. Uh, he's like, man, this is so cool. Uh, I think he's looking at the mountain at that point. He's like, uh, we're going up that. Uh, and, and so he, he's there in his, his designer sweater and designer jeans and his sneakers because I'm pretty sure my friend doesn't own a, a single shirt or any piece of athletic clothing at all. Uh, in fact, my friend doesn't even eat vegetables. That's, far, that's how far he is. Like he, 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 for him, he's like, it's a good day if he has a piece of fruit. Uh, and so he, he's kind of, that's the type of friend he is. I love him, love him to pieces. And I've, I've realized something was wrong about 10 minutes into the hike. Uh, when I looked back and I took a picture of this. <laughs> My friend was dying on the inside in every way possible. Soul just depleted, all heart. Uh, and me as a good friend, I, took a, I seized the moment to take a picture of him. Uh, but... But I, I, like, I tried to be the best friend I could. I mean, I'm encouraging up the mountain. I'm like, come on, man, you can do this. Hey, I'm like quoting scripture to him. And he's like, stop bringing the Bible into this. You, you savage. I can't believe you took me. I mean, he's, he's just choked in me. We finally make it to the top. He's alive. He's all put together, okay? He's, he's okay. Now, we go over. We're snapping pictures. We're done with that. We're like, all right, let's go down. I go over to the gondola dude, and I'm like, hey, uh, we're ready to go down. We, we just hiked up, so hey, we, we're ready to go down. He's like, oh, cool. Did you guys have a great time hiking the mountain? Isn't it a great day? I'm like, man, this is a beautiful day. This is just great. We're talking it up. Man, what's the favorite hike in the area? Oh, that's good. Hey, thanks. He's like, okay, you want to go down? Sure, yeah. Where's your tickets? I'm like, oh, what? Tickets? Yeah, I was like, no, we don't have tickets. We hiked up. We heard that you hike up, you get a free ride down. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't do that anymore. I'm like, oh, ah, okay, well, I don't, didn't bring my wallet, because I'm going hiking, not to the mall, so, well, this is, I'm like, well, that, that's okay, I'm sure, we'll just hike down, no big deal, no big deal, uh, I go over to my friend, I'm like, hey, man, it's a great day, hey, isn't it a great day, yeah, hey, I was just talking to him, there's some other mountains we could hike tomorrow, if we wanted, so, yeah, yeah, no, 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 uh, I'm like, hey, there's, there's, uh, it's bad news, uh, we, we can't go down, uh, it's not free anymore. He just, his face just drops. No, man. No, you're joking with me, right? No, 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 no. We, we, got, we just got to hike down. It's okay. It's, it's different muscles going down than going up. So, so you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. If I have to hike down this mountain, you'll have to airlift me off at some point. He's like, I don't know what point, but at some point. He's like, I need to go talk to him. I don't know what he said. I was a little embarrassed. I was too chicken to go over and talk to the gondola guy again. Uh, but my friend went over there and began to plead his life with this guy. Probably talked about how cruel of a friend I was, how he got tricked into coming on this hike. And, and I don't know, like maybe he even had some tears flowing down at some point. It was like it was sweat and tears all poured down. This was his Garden of Gethsemane moment. And, and finally... Finally, the guy's like, he has such pity on my friend that he's like, hey, it's okay. You, you can go. Just, just go for it. Don't say anything to anybody. Don't, don't spread that around. Uh, and so we went down the gondola, and he just had a smile the whole way down. Like, it was just, 
He's just like, the favor of God is, is on me. I, I love my friendship with, with my friend Josh, uh, not because we just have crazy stories like that. Uh, I love my friend Josh uh, because he has been Christ to me in more ways than I can recall. Even though we, we had certain interests that kind of brought us together and we had certain things that were completely in opposite corners on, he's asked me the hard questions. He's asked me those times when I wanted to, to sidestep issues that I'm trying to ignore. Hey, Michael, how are you really doing? Oh, yeah, the weather, man, it's just been up and down. Up, I almost got stuck. And Hey, Michael, how are you really doing? Oh, you know, I've been... Been reading my Bible a little bit and praying, and it's how how are you really doing, Michael? How's it, how's your soul? How's your heart? How's your family? How's your relationships going? You just had to go there, didn't you, Josh? Ah, oh, I just wanted to keep it superficial and shallow. Oh man, he's encouraged me. His example of friendship has made me a better friend. And I've realized what it, it's meant to have a Christ-centered friendship with him in my life. Listen to the words of Jesus. Love each other. Lay your life down. A confide. I've, I've told you everything. There's some pillars of friendship that we can find in this passage. We find the, the pillars of consistency, dependability. That friendship isn't something that we just do every occasional moment, every once in a while, well, once a month, or every year or so, we talk it up. No, there's, there's consistency to this. There's love. There's opportunity for correction. And there's gut-wrenching honesty. Honesty. This is where they know everything. Galatians 6, 1-2 talks about uh, our friendships being able to have the opportunity to, to have a hunting license for people. That you, have, you should have friends in your life that they, look, they can examine any area of you. Hey, the, the regular person in your life, they, they may not call you out on all these areas. And that kind of be weird if they did. But, but your friends, you want your friends to have a hunting license to examine every area of your life. Which is why they need to be close to you. Yeah, they, that's why they need to be able to rub shoulders with you every once in a while. So that they can say, hey, uh, I think you used that excuse last week. Hey, why don't we be honest here? Hebrews 10, 24 talks about uh, let's encourage each other on in love and good deeds. Hebrews 3, 13 talks about the consistency that has to happen, the frequency in which we continually do that as friends. But that's kind of the, the issue, isn't it? I'm sort of a creature of comfort. I sort of don't like it if, if there's things that, that aren't just serving me. We don't always like relationships that demand things from us. I mean, my, my self-sacrificing nature might extend to letting somebody cut in front of me in traffic, but all, all of a sudden, a friend wants to share their burdens with me, and I'm sort of like, ah, how long did you need? I just got some things I wanted to talk about. And, but just, just this idea of a Christ-centered friendship where we're, we're sacrificing. We're there, hey, what do you need? Christ-centered friendship. It comes from that, that devotion to Christ and what he wants to do. No greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, Jesus didn't really have a pass with this, did he? 
He, he probably had a bit of a rough go when it comes to friendship. When he was born in Bethlehem, uh, he was born in a stable because there's no room for him. Rejected from birth. Then when he was two years old, the government finds out about him and, and they put a, uh, a death search out for him. They're, they're out to kill him. Rejected as a two-year-old. Then when he starts his ministry, uh, he's rejected by his own people group, the Jews. I mean, from moment to moment, he's just going. At one point, he sends his disciples to Samaria and say, hey, uh, just prepare a place for me over there. I think that's where I'm going to go next. And and the Samaritans just kick the disciples out and say, yeah, we, we don't want Jesus. His own hometown rejected him. The leading priests and teachers of the time rejected him. It's one thing if... People you don't really know reject you. They kind of say, hey, I don't want to be friends with you. It's another thing when it's people who are close to you. It's one thing when your friends do it. Which just made me begin to think about Jesus. We had had communion today. We talked about Jesus' death. And that got me thinking about the moment when Jesus would have been betrayed. Betrayed, not Betrayed not by the, the Uber driver who was driving him around, uh, n- not by uh, some bystander watching, not uh, accidentally by a disciple who gave away his location. No, he was intentionally betrayed by Judas. Look at that passage in Matthew twenty six fifty. Judas is walking up with a group of people. And it says, Jesus said to him, friend, do what you came to do. Friend, do what you came to do. Then they, lay, then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Think about that moment that Jesus had spent the past three years, over three years, investing into the life of his disciples. And I looked at that, I remember seeing that word friend, and I just thought to myself, that can't really mean friend, friend. Like there's like, hey friends, where you're like, uh, just like broad spectrum. And then there's like, hey my friend. And I thought, there's no way that Jesus is saying, hey, friend, as in you and I are friends. Because in that moment, there's no way I would be saying, hey, friend. I I was thinking, I was like, I think I would do some sort of like Clint Eastwood stare down. Do what you came to do. I I don't don't know. And I looked it up, and as much as the word in the Greek has a broad spectrum, in the most superficial, shallow meaning. It still means friend, comrade. And so Jesus looks at the man who's going to betray him, his friend, and says, do what you came to do. Then I I thought about the rest of his disciples, because you you read on in that passage where Judas uh, betrays, and in Matthew 26, 56, it says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So there's this whole group of people that, that Jesus was with, all of his disciples, and, and bam, when everything just falls apart, they're just gone. They're running away. I think post-resurrection Jesus, I mean, if I was Jesus, okay, I'm not Jesus at all in any shape, way, or form, but if I was Jesus, post-resurrection Michael, I'm coming out of that grave, boom, ah, where are my disciples? Come on, Peter, you denied me to a little girl. Come on, man. Hey, who who was that disciple that just ran away? You couldn't even grab your clothes. You couldn't get away from me fast enough. Guys all deserted me. 
Shame on you. You guys call yourself my disciples. No, but we think about this. I mean, we're like, oh, Jesus is the savior of the world. He, he just, just these, these things just bounce right off of him. But rejected, rejected, rejected. Has this group, this group of disciples he calls his friends. Man, he was in their homes. He was eating meals with them. He was healing their family members. And they just, they're gone. And I thought, if Jesus, after everything he went through with his disciples, can still call them friends, then maybe there's some room for me to become a better friend. Maybe there's some space for me to begin to analyze the friendships I have and just say, maybe, I, maybe I'm not such a good friend. Or maybe I'm a good friend, but man, there's, there's some times when I get a little too selfish. I don't always want to be selfless. But maybe that's why there's so many lonely Christians. Because a good part, good many of us just aren't willing to live self-sacrificially for each other in Christ-centered friendship. Maybe it means that, that we give our friends a call a little more often. Maybe it means that we pray for our friends. Hey, well, maybe it means that we let our friends correct us. Ow, ow. Maybe, maybe it means we lay down our agenda and we, and we just let them talk. We just let them, the vent happen. Hey, what, what do you got? What do you need? Uh, I'm not just talking about us being friendlier. Not just talking at a, uh, about this cute, hey, uh, we should all just be really friendly. Hey, that's good. I'm talking about Christ-centered friendship. And I just began to think, what if? What if we just began to, to pick this up? Well, what if there were some students who said, hey, I need some Christ-centered friendships in my life so that when I'm duking it out with my parents or I'm having a tough time at school, I can go to my Christ-centered friends and they're not just going to agree with everything, but they're going to point me to Jesus Christ and they're, they're going to lift me up and encourage me and they might even need to slap me around a little bit in these moments. I thought maybe, maybe there's some marriages where you say, hey, it's time to have some Christ-centered friendship in this marriage between spouses. Maybe there's some parents who are saying, hey, we need some other parents that we can be Christ-centered friendships with so we can encourage and lift each other up when we're kind of questioning our parenting, when we're looking around saying, say, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Is everybody struggling this as much as I am? And you have some Christ-centered friendships that come alongside you and they begin to say, hey, we're going through, we're going to lift you up in prayer. Hey, maybe we're going to take your kids for a weekend. We're going to take your kids for an evening because we're lifting it up. I just begin to wonder if that's what this community could be. Where people walk in on a Sunday morning, they're like, oh man, there's something different here. Is it it's just you guys are friendly? No, it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than just being friendly. Matt, we've just decided, we've just began to realize that, that Christ isn't just a Sunday morning thing. Christ is not just a family thing. It is, it is also a friendship thing. And so we've been, we've just allowed Jesus Christ to work in these areas of our lives. And, and we've even had times where we've had to lay down our agenda, even in our friendships. We've done things that haven't always been convenient because we just believe that Christ wants to permeate every area of our life, including our friendships.